Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to Through the Keyhole and OU Fan Podcast. Um, for the bye week, we're doing something a little bit different for our public pod, uh, podcast, bringing on the interview, which is usually sh- saved for um, uh, the Patreon, which again, you can join our Patreon uh, at Through the Keyhole. Uh, for $4 a month, you get access to every single thing that we produce, which is a uh, a lot of podcast um, uh, material. We do anywhere from four to three a week, uh, just talking about different stuff about OU football and interviews. Uh, this one here, we've got a Rob Bowron from uh, Beta Rank, uh, Sharp College Football, to talk about the the major landscape of college football, where we can see things are moving from an analytical standpoint. Um, Rob is an extremely smart man who's uh, uh, much better looking than anyone we've ever had on the podcast. <laughs> and also extremely humble and a man of a lot of words. But, uh, but Rob, those two don't quite go together, you? right? No, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> he's humble, but he won't shut up. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm doing really well. Uh, I like we had uh, we certainly had a really fun weekend of college football last weekend. Um, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. This is my favorite part of the year. Beta rank is all in season data. Um, so we're no longer sitting around wondering like how much, you know, teams are being held up by preseason weight. Um, and we're starting to get to the point too, where, uh, you know, teams are starting to really lock into the kind of position that they're going to hold for, for most of the season. Right. Like, and, and there'll be some ups, there'll be some downs, um, you know, but for the most part, like where teams are now, they're going to finish within like plus or minus five, you know, most of them will uh, of where they currently sit in the rankings. Yeah, that's something that's a you know fairly interesting. We've got a chance now to see stuff. We've seen it on the field. We've seen like you can prove some stuff out. I mean, obviously this is an OU football uh, podcast, so things haven't been as fun as they normally are for uh, for Oklahoma. But if you look at you know look at your rankings right now, OU has oh man, find the Google. Uh, OU has three losses to the number five team, the number ten team, and the number eighteen team. <laughs> so yeah. doing three losses in which if you were to look at and you know look out ahead of stuff you'd say okay those are somewhat understandable in the rebuilding year uh right OU has coming up in the next weeks um the number 26 uh, number 22nd 25th 26th and 27th so there's a little bunch for baylor texas tech iowa state and oklahoma state in which OU could try to make some hay you know try to like get get some wins back up see if they can salvage those seven and five eight and four type of season at that point in time um we know OU is currently sitting at 48th overall. As you said, 
if let's say OU were to split some of those games uh, and win three out of four against the 22nd, 25th, 26th, and 27th, does that move them into like the, like you said, it kind of settles within five or so spots. I mean, would that help them? Yeah. Analytical profile to be like closer to the twenties or like the low thirties. I mean, and they certainly, I mean, and the model is blind to injuries, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, that, that's too much work. (laughs) So I'm not, I'm not creating like a Dylan Gabriel dummy that's going into the model for like whether he plays or not. Um, but that's something I think for Oklahoma, I mean, and, and, and I will say too, I mean, beta rank will likely move more than some other, like, and, and if teams do improve beta rank will move more than other ranking systems. Part of it is that I don't have any preseason weight in and most people keep mm-hmm. that in all year. The other part is, is beta rank is, uh, temporarily weighted. I have an exponential decay built in. So I care more about recent games than I do about games that happened a long time ago. Now, this is really helpful for teams like, and the example I'm going to give is in like, I'm almost positive in 2019, I was the only analytics dork that had LSU picked against Clemson and Vegas had Clemson favored. Um, SP plus had Clemson, FEI had Clemson, FPI had Clemson. Some of that is, is that they had preseason weight in there, right? Still. And like LSU was, we thought they'd they'd be good, but we didn't think they were going to be that good. But the other part is, is like beta rank really caught that LSU got smoking hot down the back half, right? Like, um, and that I think, you know, like, so teams absolutely like Utah is an example last season, right? Like they don't play cam rising in their first three games for all of those games. Right. And all of a sudden they figure out that he's their quarterback and like, they really catch fire and catch something down the back half and end up being a pretty good team. Baderate can catch that. So like, there's still room. Like, I mean, it's not all of the, like there are teams, like teams can make adjustments right now. I will say like, for the most part, like teams don't make adjustments. When I say like most teams will finish within plus or minus five, it's because most of them will some won't. Right. Like, and, and like when it, when you, the, the teams that won't usually have, some change that has taken place new quarterback we've mm-hmm. adjusted our scheme maybe we've changed like changed up the offensive line um you know and who's playing they have removed a very bad coordinator and replaced them with somebody who is more comp i mean those kinds of things like the model's not going to see those things i just try to catch them by saying like i just care more about what's happening right now um and so yes like now oklahoma the thing that I mean, the like the offense, I think can be better. And I think having Gabriel play can be better. Um, I don't think I'm alone in th- saying like Gabriel is somewhat limited as a, I mean, yes, he's not, he's not like he's going to leave some big plays. On, I mean, and I think in particular, like they're running that, uh, you know, they're running a version of that Baylor offense. Um, you do, you know, in that offense, like you need a quarterback that can hit passes down the field too. Right. Like, is they're going to like, you're going to, you're going to be setting up looking for those. I mean, Hendon hooker did that last, I mean, he's doing it this year a lot for Tennessee, (laughs) but last year, Tennessee, oddly enough, like this year, they're keying off the passing game and trusting hooker a lot this year. They're, they're relying on, uh, they're this year. They're like last year, they ran the ball a ton and that's what Oklahoma, I mean, they, they run the ball more. They're going to rely more on Gabriel's legs and he's just not that accurate down the field. If he hits some of those, right? Like he hit some of those guys that are open down the field. Like 
they're a different team offensively. Right. And beta rank will pick that up and, and him playing consistently, like not being injured, I think would, would certainly, certainly help. He is there a better offense with him. Their biggest problem though is defense, right? Like, um, I mean, as it sits right now, they are at 36 on offense. That's kind of a middle of the road power five offense. I think it's, I think they're probably with Gabriel in the top 25. Um, the defense is at 70. What did I have? 75. It 75. That's a really bad power five defense. Yes. Um, and I, here's the thing. I don't think there's anything that's going to change this season a lot with that. No. I mean, like, and I mean, I think, look, I think Oklahoma is talented enough that with coaching and people getting Venable's message, right? Like we see this with like Texas last, I mean, I know like, what an example right like i know but like (laughs) seriously though but if you look at like how much better their defense is versus last year right like now some of that is is like they brought in gary patterson and they were able to switch to a scheme that sort of better fit the personnel that they had on hand than what what kowski wanted to run but right like guys will you will get buy-in you will have another year of coaching and understanding the scheme and what they're asking from you for my money. Venables is still the best DC in college football. So I don't think this is a forever thing, but I I'm skeptical whether this defense, which got absolutely torched, right? Like now there's going to be some, like, I will say like, there's going to be some games down the stretch for Oklahoma that are going to look better defensively right like they they get iowa they get iowa state next iowa state is a totally imbalanced team they have an excellent defense their offense is awful yes and even oklahoma should be able to slow them down a bit right um you know and like and the back half is like there like there's some decent teams on it but it is less demanding right like if you can stop the run against west virginia you're probably okay you know um Baylor's doing some fun stuff offensively, but like, you know, they're not overall like Oklahoma projects to be in every single one of the games down the stretch and they could potentially win a couple. I mean, they could win even a couple where you might not expect if Gabriel plays and maybe the defense makes a little progress. Cause they're like all of those games right now are within one score. So, you know, there's, there's plenty of room for a little movement here, a little movement there. Those lines will change. Yeah. I mean, even the defense playing as poorly as they played against Kansas State, there's a one-score game. If OU right. stops one of the third and 15s, they win the game. <laughs> it's just, right. It's, so, and, and K-State's and, you know, got a good defense. I mean, a good defense. Yes. Like, that was a good offensive game for Oklahoma with Gabriel in there. It's that they followed that of late, and their beta rank offense for offense has fallen off considerably of late because they have mm-hmm. followed that up with some very bad performances, some of which are injury-driven. Yeah, TCU completely nuked OUL off off the planet. In the yeah. same time, dirty you know a dirty shot took out Gabriel. Then at Texas, whatever happened in Dallas happened in Dallas. <laughs> right. But the cool thing that happened in Dallas is now OU seems to have discovered. If you had a chance to watch the Kansas game, I don't know why you would have. There was much larger games happening. Uh, but it was OU also does... like coming back from my cousin's wedding in oh. California. I was like, oh, this is a terrible day to travel. But it's the only mistake. way I think. I know, but it was in <laughs> it was in San Luis Obispo. I could only get a ticket that was less than $1,400 flying on Saturday. And I was like, well, it's make a mortgage payment or. <laughs> like no, yeah, Saturday. for sure. Yeah. So I was like. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but, uh, I mean, the, the cool thing OU seems to have discovered is uh, some really interesting, as you mentioned, OU is running a lot more, has found some yeah. really interesting wrinkles in the running game with the Wildcat package and some direct QB, uh, direct quarterback, I'm sorry, direct running back snap type stuff. Yeah. It's, they've really been able to, you know, evolve some of this more simple schemes at times that they were running earlier on the running game. Uh, and the quote unquote bear raid uh, is, is getting more diverse uh, up front. And on defense, yeah, there, there's no magic bullet. I mean, Billy Bowman coming back, who was a strong, who was a starting strong safety, will help. Uh, yeah. But there has been some shifts. I mean, DJ Graham, who's a cornerback, has now been moved to wide receiver. They've CJ Colden, who came in after spring ball as a transfer, is now starting and made is making play. So, just being in the system will be more about it. Uh, I, I yeah. kind of I'm gonna I'm gonna write something uh, for a Patreon just about my own personal journey. So. About six months ago, I was 215, 25% body fat. As I am right now, I'm 185, 10% body fat. Well, congratulations. Yeah, thanks. The only thing that really took time, the only thing that had to happen was a really stubborn dedication and time. <laughs> like, yeah. If, if you can just get through that, if oh, you can get through that part of it, they're going to come out on the other side okay. But if they start there's no freaking shortcut. out... Like there's gonna yeah, be yeah. there's gonna be some eat your vegetables along the way, right? Yeah. Like I mean, yes. like, I mean, and and it, truthfully, and I say this like beyond just tech, like if you look at some of the top defenses in beta rank right now, like I get so frustrated when people are like, we have to recruit. Like sometimes it's like you just need to have a really good DC, and like you need to have them get the right guys in for their system. Like you know who's the best defense in beta rank right now? It's Illinois. They're freaking good. It's not like Illinois has like been out there busting their butt on the recruiting trail. Ryan Walters yeah. is a really good defensive coordinator who's undoubtedly going to get a job, like a you know, going to get a head coaching job after this year. <laughs> At least he better. I mean, like I like if Ryan Walters, who is an African American assistant coach, doesn't get a head coaching job somewhere, right? Like yeah. the system, the system is screwed up. Like he is clearly a star. Um, but even like Kansas state has a top 10 defense, mm -hmm. you know, right now in beta rank, um, you know, you've got Iowa state in there again, like these are, these are these, and the, the common theme, you know, in Missouri too, with the bounce back year on defense, Georgia tech, yeah, oddly enough, Georgia tech. <laughs> yeah, I know. And people are like Georgia tech. I'm like, you got, you look at who like now the, the thing is to remember with some of these is beta rank adjust. You're going to look and be like, look at the point totals per game. And you're like, what are you talking about? Beta rank adjust for the starting field position. Georgia tech's offense sucks. Yeah. And so like Georgia tech's defense is getting no help. They're often getting terrible short field position against some decent offenses. Sometimes that you're going to give up points in that case. Right. But like compared to what you would expect another defense to do in that same situation, they're actually pretty good. But those guys, like the common theme across those defenses is not like they had a brand spanking new first year DC come in. It is that they had a, like they have a very good DC and they've had time to develop the players and get them to understand their system. Yeah. Except for Ohio state, which seems to have immediate. Well, so so <laughs> no, like, is great. Well, there's, here's the flip side of that is like, if you recruit like Ryan day does, right. Yeah. Like then you just for like, when people were like, Oh, Jim, like people really said, they're like Knowles Cause like Knowles at Duke and Knowles at Oklahoma state had to do that right like he had to do that little journey we just talked about right like you have to develop your guys and get them to understand their assignments and like this yeah or you just have a bunch of five stars you know? yes. <laughs> like, I mean. and i do think there's something i mean oh the 
Alan Kinney on our podcast basically, you know, cautioned patience. He's like, listen, what Brent had said was, I we're going to fully adopt the scheme. We're right. not going to chase the scheme. We're not going to like build a scheme for the talent we have and like cobblestone something together. And it's, it's like, we're just going to do it. We're going to, you know, eat the vegetables and we're just going to deal with it because it's right. going to long-term success. Now you, you know, there is a different, different thing where Brent maybe kept running Grinch's scheme, which was right. a weird con continuation of Mike Stoops scheme because you just built for the talent on hand. And you just saw the wheels kind of come off, you know, as it, right. the, wheel, the, the wagon was already broken and they kept the broken wagon. So I, I'm very, very hopeful, especially if you follow recruiting and stuff. I mean, OU for 2024 is trending for the top two uh, defensive linemen, and, you know, things of that nature. It's like, well, all of a sudden, if OU starts signing, you know, top five defensive linemen classes, <laughs> things right. change fairly quickly. <laughs> No, I mean, I fully expect like Oklahoma is sitting at 75 right now. I think they can have a top 10 defense not next year. I like, I genuinely mm -hmm. don't think it's that crazy um, to say that. And I, and I say that because like, I just, I, I think genuinely like it's going to be like that Texas thing. Like you just have to have guys yeah. buy in. And I think they have enough talent that it's not like, it's not like at Illinois where like you really have to develop guys and get some buy-in or like, you know, Georgia tech where that DC has been there for like four years, kind of like slow, but doing a slow build. Like you don't have, like clearly Oklahoma was not Ohio state level of just like, Oh, flip a switch. Right. Like, yeah, we'll be, but they are, I think at the level of guys. And I, I think maybe it's more like Texas. Like, I just don't think that like, I think part of Oklahoma's problem on defense too, is like, I don't think those guys really believe they could play good defense. They played bad defense for so long. For there's so just, yeah. there's some, in, there's some like bad institutional learning in there and reinforcement that I think it takes guys time to adjust to. And I'm not saying like, I mean, I think like the coaching is probably the same, but like getting buy-in, uh, I mean, like you're still like, you're likely getting a like very similar coach. Like it's not like anybody's teaching tackling differently or something like yeah. that, but what they are teaching differently is like scheme and play calling, like where you gotta be, what we're going to do, that kind of stuff, you know, like it's going to, there's going to be a learning curve. I mean, but Venables, like, I mean, if you saw what he would do with Clemson, I mean, like personnel, I mean, it was exotic, you know, like the blitzes, but like he had full confidence in his guys that he could pull it off not all of whom were like the most highly recruited guys no, in the wide world. No. Right. So like, I, I think it's still going to work and really too. I mean, you should Oklahoma fans should also take confidence from as much. I mean, uh, Chris Brown, the guy that did smart football calls him he who shall not be named, but that, that Baylor offense. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, that's what Tennessee's running, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> that ten Tennessee is or Tennessee's, you know, Tennessee is running Heupel's version of it, which is more pass happy. Lane Kiffin's got a top five offense. You wouldn't believe it. Lane Kiffin. All he does is run the football. People think yeah. of him like, I mean, he's uh, this season, they are fully committed to just running the ball. Um, you know, and like they're, they've got a top five offense. Charlie Weiss jr. Is their offensive coordinator this year, replacing Levy, but Levy should be fine. Like, you know, like, I, I think that this offense works right like it's a, like um but elliot calls it a little bit of a cheat code in college football and it just kind of is and so i think levy is going to be able to put it together offensively but like again 
I don't know that Gabriel's your guy in the long run. No, he's he's not in the long run. He, he's um, obviously a bridge to the next guy. <laughs> so yeah, we yeah. just have to hope, see how that goes. I mean, he'll be around. I mean, there, you know, when he first signed, people were thinking, "Oh, Dylan will be here for one year." Now we're kind of like, "Well, Dylan probably should stay for another." <laughs> just right. So Jackson Arnold, who is our ballyhooed five-star recruit, doesn't have to start immediate. You know, there's some stuff, and now there's you know. It does seem like Texas and OU will stay in the Big 12 for the duration of the grant of rights. I mean, everyone's releasing schedules. That could change, but it does seem like they're staying until 2025. So yeah. OU's going to have a little more runway to get the offensive line and defensive line kind of straightened out. Right. <laughs> before you right. have to deal with that daily grind, the, you know, the grind of the SEC. Uh, it, it's going to be there. Uh, just, just kind of preach some, uh, preach some patience to, to our public listeners. <laughs> you, want, you want A&M now. Right, like yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, like there. I mean, there's some grind to the SEC. Like, and I, I don't get me wrong, um, but the SEC is also, in some ways, for the last couple seasons, been carried by Alabama and Georgia. I mean, they've they've had some decent teams underneath mm-hmm. it, but like those, you know, like the fact that they have two absolute juggernauts on top with LSU, sort of like maybe rising and falling in there. Um, but like people say like the grind, I'm like, yeah, I mean, you, you can go, you can go lose a game at A&M. You turn the ball over three or four times. Sure. Right. But yeah. like a and not going to beat you straight up. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, A&M is stacking talent. So whenever, whoever the coach is in 2025, we'll have Jim, a very Jim has no buyout. It is like, it is a fully guaranteed <laughs> contract. Like my, I mean, like, it always amazes me is like when people like when ostensibly smart, rich people do things where they're like, I think they just assume that they're because they're rich, they must not make mistakes. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, we're going to do we're going to do this with no net. Like, let's do it. No, no backup plan. No outs. <laughs> you know, it's just $100 million to get out of this contract. Yeah, that's something I, I run a multimedia team in southeastern Oklahoma for a Native American tribe. It, big news down here, but nationally not that big of a thing. And I've been able to chance to work with some ESPN people, some Fox Sports people and stuff, and picking in their brain, thinking, oh, man, they must have all this secret sauce, and you know, they must know everything. And then very quickly I go, oh, they're just flying blind half the time. <laughs> just, right. They're just like we are. Yeah, right. <laughs> they just have more money. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so it, it does kind of break that through. So as a good ramble for my first question, yeah. Who are who? Who's your top four? I mean, the top four teams won't make the playoffs because I mean, you'd have right. Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, Tennessee. I don't see that quite shaking out. But, but who? And I even I think it's somewhat reductive to already say like who are your playoff teams. But who are the quote unquote real teams that you can say, yeah, this is this is these are the guys, and then it there's a massive drop uh, okay. after that. So right now there's sort of. Um what you might think of as like two tiers, even within the top, well, I guess we would say three tiers, even within the top 10. Okay. Um, and so the first tier is Georgia and Ohio state. Um, and they are just playing head and shoulders above anyone else right now. <laughs> um, like Georgia, Georgia and Ohio state are grading out in the same range that we would have like 2019 LSU in now I'm going to caveat that with like we have only seen Georgia in a very early game against of like and it's interesting because like Georgia and Ohio State right now would be a toss-up game like 
like mm-hmm. beta rank would have it as a pick them. And that's cool. Like that's, that's yeah. like, that's, that is interesting and exciting. However, um, I'm going to say, and I know like I could offend some Georgia fans who probably won't be listening to this particular podcast by saying this, like, I think that I'm not going to count that Oregon game a lot, right? Like <laughs> we're going to learn a lot more about Georgia against Kentucky, which has a really good defense. The offense isn't as good this season and against Tennessee, which has a really good offense. Um, they get Mississippi state who is a decent team on both sides of the ball right now. Um, we're going to learn a lot more about Georgia down the stretch because not that they're not going to all of a sudden be a top four team. They are, it's just by how much, right. And the same thing goes with Ohio state. They haven't really played anybody yet. So what do we get with like the Buckeyes when they get Iowa's top 10 defense this next week and they get a decent, not great Penn state team. And then they eventually get Michigan, right? Like yeah. th- we're going <clears> to, <throat> we're going to learn a lot. Not again, like Ohio state will be a top four team, but by how much? Um, and that's a really interesting question, I think. Cause like if, if they are in that, like if Ohio state and Georgia are in that 29, if they, if that did hold up, if they were in that like 2019 LSU range, like the chances that they stumble and fall are very small, <laughs> right? Like I'm not sure that they are, I mean, I wouldn't surprise, but like one of the interesting things is both as as you sort of look across those teams is like um, both of them have just terrific offenses right now. Uh, In fact, the top two offenses in the Mm -hmm. model and then like Ohio state with Jim Knowles, like their, their defenses bounce back and they're in the top 10 Um, after that. And there, and there's a significant gap, like beta rank would have it as Alabama would be a 10 point underdog to Georgia or Ohio state right now. Um, now that may shrink down. Right. But yeah. I mean, same with like Bama and Tennessee are like neck and neck, right? Like uh beta, like Vegas had that game in eight points. Beta rank had it as Alabama just favored by like less than two. Um, so I felt pretty good <laughs> about that one. <laughs> I was like, I was like, yes, got, got that game. Right. Um, but the, you know, like after that, you, you have a little bit of a gap and that gap is in, and in that gap, you have Alabama, Tennessee, Texas, which Texas is playing. I mean, I don't like Texas is playing like a team that is like, just kind of, just kind of figuring it out. Right. Like Texas next year might be a real problem for people because they yes. will likely not be making the same kinds of incredibly stupid mistakes they've made at times this season. Right. Like Texas is like, and if you're Oklahoma, like the path that you want to be on is like next year for you, you want to be the team that like is really good and exciting at times. And is maybe still like, you know, like a little fawn, like learning to run, you know, yeah. <laughs> like that kind of thing. That's like, Texas is playing like that, right? Like they've had some great moments punctuated by stupid moments. <laughs> like, so they've had some real, like that Iowa state game last week was a real head scratcher considering how they've been playing of late, but like, they just can't seem to be consistent. And that's something you feel like is a, maybe a next year for them, but clearly like, I mean, maybe Alabama is a playoff team. If Georgia comes back to earth a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, um, cause Alabama is still likely to win the West Tennessee has a puncher's that offense gives Tennessee a puncher's chance against anyone. If they get turnovers, their defense isn't great, but if they get turnovers, they're in it with anybody right um but then you have michigan 
And Michigan's a bit of a step back. I mean, they'd be about a, you know, a, you know, a 14 ish point underdog to Ohio state right now. Um, just because like people are like, well, they beat them last season. Like last season, Ohio state's defense was a middle of the road power five defense. Like they yeah. brought in Knowles for a reason. And it's not only that, like they also retooled the offense, hiring the offensive line coach from UCLA and they run the ball real well again, just like they did in 2019. Their offense is better than last year when they were the best offense in college football and they're number one again this season. Like that's like Michigan's going to have to like last year, they could show up outplay them and also generate some turnovers and, and beat them a little steeper climb this season. Um, then I've got UCF who has just come on so freaking hot that I can't, like, I can't even, <laughs> like, but there's a gap, right? Like, yes. um, like, so like the gap between, you know, there's a gap between say Michigan and UCF, like, but UCF right now has just been scorching hot of late. Like all, like they didn't start out the season like this. They were kind of like fumbling around all of a sudden offensively they're unstoppable and like it's mind blowing to me because I really thought Gus Malzahn had lost his fastball offensively at Auburn the last couple of seasons it had not been great he was carried by those Kevin Steele defenses mm -hmm. his last couple of seasons and all of a sudden like he can't miss like it's all home I mean he they're they're obliterating people <laughs> you know like not by I mean they're blowing past the spread by like 20 30 points every week so I don't know if that's sustainable and we don't have I mean like in the long run but they seem to have really hit on something and got extremely hot um and if they keep that up like they will hold this position I would not surprise me for them to like come back to earth a little bit um because they big play. Like I try to explain this to people. There's randomness in football yes. in turnovers. There's also randomness in like, and I try to explain like the way humans understand randomness is like, they think of it as like a, um, a flipping a coin, but they think of it as like, you'll never have too many heads or tails in a row or something like that. Right. That's actually wrong. Randomness is like, I can tell it's randomly generated data because I see streaks because like truly random data has streaks in it. Yeah. Um, and so you'll have instances like, so I want to see with UCF is like, did we just have some streaks where they just hit a bunch of big plays? Um, and some of that's real and some of that's not like some of that might be like with TCU and that Oklahoma oh, TCU hit an enormous, I mean, just a ton of big plays all right in a row, you know, like some of that's real, some of that's luck, right? Like more data tells us how much. Um, so I mean, I'd be shocked to see UCF finish in the top 10. I wouldn't mm -hmm. be surprised to see them. They're, they're a team I, I would expect to maybe finish in the top 20. Um, and then there's a little more of a gap and we have USC, um, a team with a really good offense and a terrible defense. <laughs> Lincoln Riley special tells old right time. <laughs> yeah I mean tells old stuff and then you've got a decent Mississippi State squad and and Mississippi State um and and I you know we I, you know, I do a Pac-12 podcast I mean this is a Mike Leach this is like a, a law of social science with Mike Leach he will have a couple inexplicable games every year you will just have a couple like walk face first into a wall games <laughs> he had it at Kentucky he had it earlier at LSU you know, and he's too stubborn to run the ball, even when he's playing good pass defenses. So 
he he's had those, but like underneath it all, Mississippi State is actually a pretty decent squad. Um, and then you've got the maybe the one of the surprises of the season in TCU, you know. Uh, but if you're yeah, talk- TCU's defense at 15 is just completely surprising because they were not good. They were awful last year. I really liked, and I talked about it in, um, I don't know if I pre, but I really liked when they made the hire, Sonny Dykes hiring Gillespie from Tulsa because he has been one of the consistently best group of five defensive coordinators over the last couple of seasons. And no one had ever hired, which is, I thought was bizarre, but Dykes got him and that was a great hire and it's really paid out for them. Um, But if you're talking about like, I mean, we're talking about the playoff, like, I could see two SEC teams getting in again. The tough thing is, is like, I mean, sure, Clemson's undefeated. Clemson doesn't look good enough to go all the way, though, right? Like undefeated. Like they're 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 not in the range of like win on an off night, <laughs> kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. I think you know. I think obviously SEC probably has two paths to get two two SEC teams in. Right. If Alabama wins out, Georgia wins out, Alabama beats them in the SEC title game. Georgia's going to, Georgia's in if they win out until the conference championship game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The other way would be if Tennessee were to win out uh, and, right. then, uh, and then beat Alabama in the SEC title game, and then Georgia would be able to get that. Well, you didn't win your conference game and you didn't even go to it, but you're obviously a top four team. Here you go. <laughs> well, here's uh, the, here's the, like, do you think that, and, and this I think is an interesting, is like, because like I think people tend to when they talk about you know non-SEC conferences or not if you're not mm-hmm. Ohio State they'll talk about like oh you have one loss therefore you're eliminated from the playoff which is actually wrong you need right. two losses to really get it like if you're a non-SEC team to get eliminated from the playoff so like the question might be as we go through here is like do we think say like because if Clemson has one loss they're probably in right um they're probably in depending on it there's a lot of depending on right <laughs> i mean at that point in time you know if you if you have you know if georgia is undefeated and ohio state's undefeated then sure there's probably enough room there but if right if georgia has a one loss itself and then things starts getting really muddy because what's tennessee's record and what's michigan's record i mean things get really muddy very very quickly and it's it is something i do enjoy about just having four because <laughs> you right. at least get some muddiness about it. Well, um, I mean, cause like what, I mean, it's hard to see this BAM, like this Bama team's not within spitting distance of Georgia necessarily right now. Right. Like they're much more limited offensively than they, they this is a, this is a run first team, whether Bryce yes. Young's in there or not, they're Amazon, Alabama's running the football and they're not an explosive passing team. So, but that like, if they were to lose to Tennessee again, or Georgia SEC's not getting two teams in then it's like Correct, yeah. then this is the wild west because like yes you put in Ohio State right maybe you put in Michigan if their only loss is Ohio State I guess I mean because <laughs> like I mean then it but it's you start going through like I don't think the Pac-12 I mean USC could potentially run the table they don't have Oregon left on Mm -hmm. their schedule you know and they're good enough to beat oregon in the pac-12 championship game right i mean so they're like but there's a bunch like after ohio state and georgia you just have a bunch of really flawed teams 
Um, and you could potentially have three teams not from the SEC in, right? Like, in, but in that case, like, you got to have three one loss. Three, you have to have three one loss. Like, for if you're not, if you're not Michigan, if you're not Alabama, you know, like, you got to be a one loss conference champion, right? Yeah, and at that point in time, if you, if things start getting really kind of wonky, um, I really start looking at TCU and say, just keep winning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and they're, <laughs> they're like, keep, or maybe even a Kansas State, like, just keep winning. Like, yeah, you, I mean, Tulane is a bad loss, but like we've seen teams with bad losses get in because it's like, well, they didn't get obliterated by a good team, right? <laughs> they've been right. beating their good teams, so maybe you know, uh, I don't see them each going undefeated the rest of the way, but. I mean, TCU be, very well could. <laughs> right. I mean, TCU is not a prohibitive favorite in a lot of their games remaining. And they're an underdog at Texas right now in, mm -hmm. in the model. Um, but they could certainly keep playing. Well. I mean, like they're within range, like where they in Texas over by the time we get to that game, they could have converged and that could really tighten up. Right. Yes. And they're not so far like where they'd be like huge underdog to Texas or anything like that. And they could potentially survive a loss and then right. play Texas again. You right. know, or, you know, and, and then like, oh, you've done that before and got yeah. the playoff the exact same way of like, well, we just beat the team that beat us earlier. So we're good right. to go. <laughs> but I mean, I think this Alabama loss like really muddies things up in a way, right? In a way that like Alabama now has to go undefeated down the stretch. They absolutely have to win the SEC championship game, I think, to get in because a two loss non SEC champion, Bama, is not going to the playoff. Yeah, uh, yeah, especially who they lost to and how they lost to. I mean, I'm gonna say how they lost to them. They they lost to them on a last second field goal. So like, I mean, Tennessee's really good. Like, yeah. yeah, who they lost to muddies it up because Tennessee's so good they could take your spot. Right, <laughs> they, they didn't right. lose to some like if they lost to A and could say, well, A and M's not gonna take the C at the table. <laughs> you have a still T chance to run through the table. Tennessee's good enough that if they're they, I mean, they could have a one loss to Georgia be kept out of the like and that's where it like starts to get interesting right is like what if it's michigan with one loss and tennessee with one loss that are frozen out of their conference championship games right then all of a sudden you're talking about like all right maybe they get in the i mean maybe that's where they get in the playoff and you have that second team in right but like you do at that point what you do need to have and i think this is true is like you need to have a mess in the acc the pac-12 and the big 12 Right. Yeah. Like you need to have, like, cause any one loss conference champion from those conferences is going to get in ahead of a Michigan or a Tennessee that didn't play in their championship game. Yeah. And, and they would have to, I mean, they yeah. would, they would absolutely have to, I think it would be a, I, I know they say the ESPN selectors, I mean, it's a, it's a TV show. ESPN runs it, <laughs> but I, I do think the conferences at that point in time would, it, I think the noise would be much too loud. <laughs> Right. Uh, it, it, I think there'd be so much political levers at that point in time to where there, the discussions of a expanded would happen even sooner. <laughs> I mean, like your uh, best games are going to be like, I mean, as it's at right now, your best games would be like throwing Tennessee and Alabama at Ohio State and Georgia, right? Seeing if anybody can knock them off and then getting to see Al or, or Georgia and Ohio State likely in the championship game. Like, and if you want to see the best games, those are probably the best games, but like we're humans and we like humans care very much about this question of deserve. Correct, <laughs> right? correct. And so like, you know, like in, in the construct of like wins and losses, you know, rather than 
like beta ranks the drive level. So I'm like, this technically is kind of a resume ranking. Just your resume is not at wins and losses. It's at, you know, did you actually score points on your drives? Um, but yeah, like in that context, right? Like you're, you're, you're going to have to actually like, you're, you're going to need some like total chaos in other people's resumes, but that can happen. I mean, like, that's the trouble is like, if you look through the potential other contenders in beta rank, you know, to, to get in from like, you've got a f- very flawed USC team at number eight in beta rank. You've got a somewhat flawed, again, like TCU team. That's very good. Right. At 10, you've got Clemson at 11, right? None of those teams are like juggernauts, right? Like if they have a three turnover overnight, they're losing for sure. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think whoever, I mean, I, whoever gets in th- that fourth spot, I mean, maybe even the third spot to a certain degree of uh, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, good luck. It's a, it's, it's a long Learning night. It. As an OU killed. fan, I know what this feels like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's, let's, let's say that like Georgia and Ohio state really are as good as they look just mm-hmm. beating the tar out of bad competition right now. Like those games are going to get horribly ugly. Like last yes. season, like those semifinals where like Michigan got taken by in the woodshed, that would be nothing be- comparatively because even though Georgia was really, really good, Georgia's not 2019 LS. Like last year's Georgia team wasn't as good as 2019 LSU. Yeah. Right. Like if if they genuinely were in that range, like you're gonna see 40 point whippings <laughs> in yeah. the semifinals. Like the backups will play significant time, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and even though I mean, like if I mean, like here, I mean, you have Texas at number five, number seven offense, number six defense, a legitimately good football team that could potentially, we yeah. saw them stand up against Alabama, but they're basically out of it. Right. I mean, two well, losses. Uh, and th- that's, but this that's is, tough. <laughs> this is one of those funny things about running an advanced stats model is people will come back and they'll be like, Texas, they lost to Texas Tech, blah, blah, blah. Right. You can't have them this high. And I'm like, dude, once you get past like the top three or four, everyone has warts everyone yeah right like i mean it's just a bunch of like i mean like my ranking is again based on like drive level data on every college football game but it is like everybody's gonna have something where like where you could easily knock them aside and be like yeah i mean because like you got to have somebody at number five and everybody's got flaws right like texas is texas has played really well in spots and i mean like the texas tech game like texas tech hit, hit what like like six of seven fourth down oh, conversions yeah, or something like i mean like, they, like every, <laughs> everything went right for texas tech in that game and nothing went right for texas and and that happens sometimes because that's you know that's but that's part of what makes football sort of i think really interesting right like if you didn't have turnover luck and like weird weird shit like that then you know like you'd I, it wouldn't be as much fun to watch like part of why we like football i think versus other sports is it is it is i think comparatively fairly unpredictable-ish yeah i mean very random do you have houston missing 27 free th- uh three-pointers uh right know, i mean that kind I mean, of stuff that, is... that does not happen as random you know but college football things just bounce weird ways yeah too, you know, too damn often i mean as no you fan uh, enough to make me want to be angry but i mean on the basketball side i'm a spurs fan so uh, I have Manu fouling Dirk for no reason. <laughs> I have right, Dirk Fisher right. making a shot in half a second in, you know, in which Spurs could have in my Spurs brain could have won five straight titles. I mean, <laughs> there's two, two calls that kept them out of the finals. 
just completely random it will never repeat ever again in history um it's just the randomness of all this stuff is crazy but you know the egg-shaped ball bounces much much differently oh yeah speaking of things bouncing differently than how things have maybe planned out for fan bases and for programs uh discounting oklahoma because we already know who are some teams that you were generally surprised that have completely fallen off the way they have uh, that seem pretty quickly i mean obviously uh, oklahoma uh, fell off you had them in the top 10 i believe early on and i mean the, the, oh no i projected oklahoma to be good yeah, yeah i mean like uh, notre dame as well has fallen pretty uh pretty quickly and pretty fast it, well, there are some other teams that you've I, that were identified early on you're thinking these should be good and these didn't turn out that way yeah i mean so there's some teams i mean a and m and i don't it's not that I mean, I was, I'm, I'm not one of those people that's like recruiting is destiny and my model doesn't have it where recruiting is destiny, <laughs> but AM, they've struggled offensively. They've completely fallen off the map. They're, they're at 75 and beta rank on offense. That's unexpected. And that, that has really pulled them down. Um, Another one that is unexpectedly bad is is Pitt. Their defense, like their their offense, isn't good, and it wasn't really that good last year. They just played a horribly easy schedule. The difference for Pitt this season is that their uh, defense is only at thirty eight, and they're at one ten on special teams. That's really hurt them. I wasn't expecting them to sit in that kind of range. Um, Notre Dame that you mentioned, I'm not high. I'm like the only person. I felt like it was like, listen, like Tommy Reese kind of is not a good offensive coordinator. <laughs> I've been saying this for years. Yeah. Partly because like Brian Kelly just does not hire good offensive coordinators. It's just not his jam. Um, and we see that again at LSU. But the um I was surprised Notre Dame's fallen off as far as they have offensively and as much as they have defensively. Um, I'm surprised Cal is as bad as they are outside of just a game where they absolutely dominated the worst defense in the power five in Arizona. Um, Cal has been awful. I mean, they, and they just got whipped by back to back by Washington state and Oregon state. Um, and they're trending towards one of the worst power five teams overall. Um, who else has been a really big, like, I mean, it, like projections where somebody's really fallen off a bit. I think, um nc state like the off like the defense yeah, is, yeah. the defense is really really good like tony gibson is legitimately a terrific dc the offense under tim Beck is not good some of it's the devin leary injury but they just can't seem to 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 take the step forward that they really need um i didn't have arkansas projected all that high coming into the year so i feel like that one's a win for me they haven't been like but other people had them <laughs> much higher than i did coming into the year um, what about a what about a Houston? Yeah, so Houston. Oh God, I'm like scrolling and scrolling. There they are. Um, it's the defense. Like Doug Belk has like so Holgerson has this reputation as an offensive genius. He's iffy on offense. Like he's like he had one really good year at West Virginia. I expected Tune, however, and him to like put it together a little more offensively. But last year, they Doug Belk's defense carried them, and they've really fallen off. Um, so that's, I mean, that you're right. Like that one's a bit of a surprise. BYU last year offensively was a juggernaut. They had a terrible yeah. defense. They've fallen off. Like they have a decent offense this, this season, um, sitting at 38 overall. Um, 
but last year they had a top 10 offense and I'm surprised because like Jaron Hall, who is their quarterback and they've had some wide receiver injuries. And, you know, I think they've had some turnover at offensive line, but like Jaron Hall, the quarterback's really good. They just, they can't seem to put it together as much this season as they did last year. Miami, Miami's one, Miami's one that might be like turning it around, but they were, they were horrible at the beginning of the year. Like, I mean, they might start to turn it around a bit more, but like they were really bad. I didn't have yeah. them projected that high. I think I had them in the top 20, like around 20-ish. But they're a lot worse than that. Yeah, sitting, on top, sitting at fifth, was it, uh, 82nd right now? Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, that's and that's that's a higher... I mean, I, I may be one of... I'm, I'm somewhat sh- shaped my opinion of Mario Cristobal via the solid verbal guys. You know, there's no love lost uh, with him go, leaving Oregon. Oh, Rubenstein? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he could, be like, a bit, he could be a bit, he could be a bit of a petulant Oregon fan sometimes. Yeah. Like he got into it with me once on Twitter and tried to put me on blast because like Andy Ludwig, who's the Utah offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. was at Oregon. And it didn't work out for him at Oregon. But like Rubenstein won't let it drop. He's like, he's really bad. I'm like, I have a decade's worth of data that says he's actually pretty good. Yeah. I'm not saying he's the greatest offensive coordinator in the history of the world, but he's not bad. Yeah, it just <laughs> didn't work out there. Right. Like that happens sometimes. Like Josh Heupel didn't work out. Right. Like he was working out for a while. Then it didn't work. I mean, the Heupel stuff super. I, I'm I'm very excited for when that game comes onto the I, I want to see with Tennessee going to Oklahoma, Oklahoma going to Tennessee, if Heupel there, hopefully he's still there. I'm excited to see that. Hopefully there can be some crossing of the bridge <laughs> to a certain degree. I, um, I mean, you're just happy for him because like I root for guy like I mean rather than being stubborn he's like you know what it wasn't working for me let's go learn something new right yeah. like and resurrect like rather and he than quote unquote like did it the quote-unquote right way like he started yeah. back from the, the utah state and climbed his way back up yep and he's here <laughs> yeah i've been surprised i mean and i will say this like i've been surprised a little bit at how bad northwestern is again um and I like, I feel like I'm like maybe the only person in the world. Like I had a Northwestern fan yell at me last year on the Twitter machine, like really pissed because their long time, whose name is now escaping me, great defensive coordinator had retired. Mm-hmm. And anytime you get a new play caller who has never called plays before, I always say like mileage may vary, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> we, we don't know. It could be good. It could be bad. We don't know. <laughs> and, um, I was told like, no, like there won't be any fall off. What are you talking about? Pat Fitzgerald knows what he's doing. They've been awful the last two seasons defensively and Pat Fitzgerald can't do offense to save his life. Um, I'm surprised. Like they're sitting at one Oh seven right now. They're like irredeemably bad. Um, and like, like I'm going to take a little bit of a victory lap here because like I took a lot of I took a lot of shit for not having Michigan State very high last year, and I was like, this team is just lucky. And- yeah, I was confused. <laughs> I mean, the Michigan State thing was basically they had an extremely dynamic uh, running back who saved their right. season over and over again, and they had, and he's not there anymore. <laughs> no, and they had a lot of turnover. Like they like so like yeah. it's funny because if you look at like overall in the season, like they had about even on turnovers but like they when they had their turnovers it was against Rutgers like you could afford to like turn the ball Mm -hmm. over three times against Rutgers you probably win the game right but like 
when they got their turnovers was like against Michigan, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, they had some really timely, uh, you know, stuff happen. Like, I think they had a special team stuff. I mean, just like stuff where you're like, that's a little bit like I, last year, I thought they were far closer to the team that got absolutely waxed by Ohio state. And so I didn't have them projected high coming into this year and they've been really bad. Yeah. It um, makes me, makes me, I mean, it's, yeah, I know it's, it's the era of just big college football uh, money. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, man, you couldn't have waited one more year before giving someone a hundred million dollar contract. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I, I get, you have to do it now. Everything's fast. It's fake money. It's to a certain degree, it's monopoly money. <laughs> so, uh, James, Frank, James Franklin but, too. I mean, he's another guy that I don't think is going to get over the hump. I mean, he's no. made, he, he is not, I didn't like the Manny Diaz hire. I think, and he lost a really good defensive coordinator in Brent Pry, who went to be the head coach of Virginia Tech. I didn't love the Manny Diaz hire. Like, I think Manny Diaz has put together some decent defenses compared to his talent level, but I don't think he's like a top defensive coordinator and that's what you kind of need to replace a guy that was putting together like top five defenses for you and he hasn't hired a good offensive coordinator since Moorhead was there like he's had a string of bad hires I'm just not sure I mean they gave him a ton of money <laughs> yeah I mean James Franklin for for one of his best things is that he can he can pull this for the big 12 listeners he has a really good Mike uh Mike Gundy playbook of well, so-and-so's calling me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Did you, uh, let me check my caller ID. Look at this school, Tennessee's calling. You know, And then he's really, really good at that. And now can teams, will teams find the corruption? How many teams are going to be able to pull off like Wisconsin and say, hey, eight, nine wins is just not going to be enough anymore. <laughs> right. We'll, we'll deal with the consequences if we have to deal with them, but we're at least going to try something. You know, yeah. Penn State could just be stuck where they are. Well, now, and, historically, and, that might. That I had some friends. I had some friends. I was listening to some stuff about Jimbo and about A and M, and it's basically like, look at A and M's history. If you could quote unquote guarantee eight to nine wins a year, sign me up. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you have to look at it contextually to a certain degree. Right, right. Uh, it's like. Sure, I, we got money to spend. If I can guarantee, you know, they're not going to get it this year, but uh, eight, you know, nine wins or something, go for it. <laughs> Why not? I mean, the tough thing is sort of having like the juggernaut in your neighborhood. You know, like how do you, how do you like? That's the trouble. Like, because we're sort of like, I mean, it's like, and this is another one of like human psychology. I guess is like we're sort of always comparing ourselves to our peers or who we yes. think our peers yeah. are. Right? Um, you know, having Ohio State. <laughs> like yeah. just a, just a couple hours away ain't doing you any favors right like um and we sort of like i mean in my head i'm like I, and i don't know why maybe ryan day never wants to go to the nfl right like maybe he's one of those guys that like just it, it, like and if he stays at ohio state like good luck like this could be a long run for everyone like if he's not and like you know like he's not an old man and, no. and and he all he really needed was to find his defensive coordinator um to potentially go on a run so i i mean like i i kind of look at penn state and it's just like i mean it, but they're sort of like the michigan problem that harbaugh had right is like your your rival is on a historic heater right like yeah. they traded in urban meyer for a better coach right like <laughs> 
<laughs> and a far more likable guy, right? Like I live in Columbus, like Ryan Day does a tremendous amount of charity work in Columbus. Like he's like, he seems like a genuinely decent guy. You're just yeah. like, man, they really, there's, it's, there's no, there's no, like when people are like, oh, I want to have Urban Meyer, like Ohio State boosters made that move. Like they were ready. They're like, they locked up Ryan Day and they're like, nope, we'll push, we'll push Urban right out the door. We yeah. are tired of this crap. <laughs> And, but I mean, like the Penn State thing, I mean, again, we can talk about Michigan. It was, we got to get rid of the gym. We got to figure right. it out. And, and there's, but there's a lot of institutional guys who are like, that was never going to happen. Yeah. Michigan, the, how Michigan is recruiting and how they want to recruit. They're not playing right. the same type of game, <laughs> but you beat them one time and all of a sudden it's like, he's good to go. <laughs> no, I mean, he's probably going to get Fine. like five years out of that. Yeah. But in that five years, if Ryan Day doesn't have a bad defense again, like, I mean, he may not be close again, right? Like, yeah. and that's where it's sort of, I mean, but it, I do kind of, because it is, for a lot of these guys, it is like, they like, so for like Harbaugh, like, so Day calls his offense, right? Like, he's yeah. your offensive coordinator. He's one of the best offensive mm -hmm. coordinators in college football. It's sort of like when Oklahoma hired Venables, right? Like, and we're sort of assuming he's really the one calling plays instead of Ted Roof. Um, yes, <laughs> is, is like, but what you're doing is you're, you're not only hiring a head coach, you are solving one side of the ball with one of the best in the game. Like this is like Texas hiring Sark, right? Like yeah. we're going to solve one side of the ball. That means we only have to figure out the other one, right? Like yeah. we're sort of like half the problem is solved. Now, like you're like, there are very few guys that are so good at hiring like Nick Saban, right? Like, although you could argue like Bill O'Brien might've be a misstep. Yeah. But generally, Saban makes really good hires, and that's sort of his superpower because, like, turnover kills you. And, like, there's guys like Franklin that don't call any side of the ball. Like, he's a, he's a great recruiter, but he hasn't made some great hires. Like, he's not – like, Harbaugh doesn't call either side. Like, that means he has to solve two really good hires in yeah. order to get there and get it done. That's That's hard to do. You know, like, Ryan Day just has to find – I mean, Lincoln Riley eventually just has to find a great defensive coordinator. And in theory, like he should be able to, you know, spin up, spin up the money machine at USC and make it go right. Like that should work. Yeah, it, it should work. Um, again, I, those hires levy gets it going yeah. in theory. It could really work. It could really work. It could. I mean, I'm not going to sit there and dance on the grave of Lincoln Riley, but I don't know. I mean, he, he's obviously great. I mean, obviously a great play caller, great, you know, probably well, the best offensive line. Uh, I mean, best, but at the same time, they're losing defensive recruits. They're, I mean, oh, yeah. it's like, what do you do there? And I think the move is going to be, he's going to have to completely overhaul the defensive staff this next yeah. year, uh, even while potentially only losing one game. I mean, the, <laughs> and the still have to fire half of the staff. Yeah. I mean, so the encouraging thing for Riley is that like he is within he's, he's putting up numbers more like the 2017, 2018, yeah. 2019 yeah. Oklahoma offenses, because like in 2020, 2021, his offense took a little bit of a step back, Yeah, but he's putting up really good numbers again. And, and that's where like, if you're USC, you're like, all right, like we only have to solve one side of the ball. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that, um, that, that is solved when you have, because right. in those games, you had NFL quarterbacks, NFL wide receivers, NFL tight ends. It's like right. offense right. becomes very easy right. <laughs> when you just throw it to the NFL people. Uh, uh, you know, but OU's left in a spot right now to where on the offensive side of things, it's Marvin Mims, who should be fourth, fifth rounder. 
right. and that's it. Uh, you know, right. I mean, he, him and Grinch jettisoned exactly when they needed to, <laughs> to, to right. keep whatever shine they had on them. Not that Riley was never not going to have a shine on them, but oh, that Grinch, is something that Grinch, will be interesting. Yeah. Grinch, Grinch needs, yeah. Grinch. Is, if he gets offered he, a head coaching job, there. he should take it. Like people throw, too, people throw his, his name his around in there. Yes. And I'm like, what is Alex Grinch? I mean, do your own like a good agent. Man, what what that's the key in life. Like not that I have an agent, yeah. but if I did, I would I, I would be much cooler like than I am. Um, because I'd have somebody working to make me cooler. But the um like I mean to your point, like with Grinch, like he he was great at Washington State. Like people are like putting together a good defense in, in at the Palouse in Pullman, Washington is hard. Right. And he put together a pretty solid defense that like carried some years that Mike Leach didn't have his fastball on offense. Yeah. And then he goes to Ohio state. He doesn't get to call plays at Ohio state, but he gets to hang around. I mean, like, and then you're like, all right, he gets hired at Oklahoma and you're like, Oh, this could really work. And it really, for the most part did not. No, it did <laughs> and, not. It did not. And, and I think it's something what I mentioned earlier, Riley did not have the, you're winning. So why would you, why would the head coach listen to you say, we got to tear this thing down right. <laughs> and kind of start over. It's like, no, right. I hired you because we're trying to get this little bump. We seem to be decent. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's, you know, Grinch at Washington state had a chance to say your expectations are nationally negligible. So just take your time and build a defense. Right. In <laughs> uh, these higher level places, you just don't have that time uh, for the most part. Yeah. And I, I like, I don't like, I mean, you could maybe make the argument that with COVID and everything, like you didn't really have a shot to like maybe get the defense right at Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, and that maybe is fair. We'll see where they are next year at them. I, I mean, like, you know, it's fun one. And, and I'm, I'm a guy I'm really rooting for that has started like Mike Gundy made a bad hire at offensive coordinator. Um, with the guy that then went, it wasn't rain. Rain was the guy at Penn state. It's the guy that went to Rutgers. Wow. What's his name? Um, Gleason Gleason. Yes. Gleason. Yeah. Yeah. Bad hire. Totally messed with his offense, which was like, you know, like Knowles carried that team for Gundy for a little bit. So Casey Dunn gets his shot finally. Right. Like he was always like the bridesmaid, you know, like could never quite get the OC job with Gundy finally gets a shot. They weren't great last year. I kind of said, like, let's give them a shot. Like, too many African-American position coaches that can recruit and develop never get their shot to call plays. And, like, Casey Dunn finally got a shot. And you know what? They're decent this year. Like, they're a decent power five offense. They've improved quite a bit. And they're throwing the football around, which they haven't done since the days of, like, when they were running a bit of the air raid, you know? Like, I'm, I'm... like Dunn is an interesting name that like, cause I, I still think Spencer Sanders is somewhat limited as a quarterback that like, if they get a better quarterback in, like they might be fun in the next couple seasons with like Casey Dunn, there calling plays like, and, and again, like, that's like, that's one of the things I really like about running this model is like finding stories where you're like, Oh, that's unexpected. Like what's going on here. Right. Like and finding out somebody that's like making good and getting their shot, you know, and like getting to, to kind of, um, 
you know, like, and, and somebody that might be, I mean, it's sort of like, maybe it's like discovering like indie bands that maybe make it big or something like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I knew them before they were cool uh, college football version, but that's part of the fun here is like, as you go through here, you get to see, cause a lot of teams in college football are actually somewhat lopsided, right? Like they have one unit, like carrying a lot of the water and you kind of dig under and you're like, oh yeah. yeah like, Cause like the other unit will benefit, right? Like they will be silently benefiting. Like if you have a really good offense, your defense will look better because they they're constantly getting a start where like at the 25, right? Not at the 50, yes. right? Like yeah. the, those kind of things. Like, so people will be like, when you look at the final scores, you may not see the whole picture Whereas adjusting and controlling for those can give you a better idea of like who's actually carrying water, right? Like, and, and how, how imbalanced some teams actually are, um, you know, and I, I think that's sort of like, yeah, that's one of the more fun things. Cause like, as you go through here now, you're like, oh yeah, I could make a list of like the top DCs. Like if, if Lincoln Riley needs to make a change, like these are the guys clearly he should look at, right? Like, is there jobs that are not top end jobs that you could give them a rate? Like, that, but that's the kind of stuff that I think is really kind of fun and sort of interesting, right, about, about college football. And you can sort of like, oh, what is this team doing? Like, Tulane's got a really good defense in the group of five this year. What are they doing schematically, like, that is setting them apart, right, like, in, in being able to execute? Well, we had a long, uh, rambling conversation <laughs> about college football. It's, it's par for the course uh, for most of most of the Patreon interview series. So this is a sneak peek to that if everyone's made it to the end of this. Um, uh, just want to say this is the type of thing you can expect if you become a patron of Through the Keyhole. Again, $4 a month. You can get to listen to Rob come on every once in a while. We have Bill Conley on. Uh, uh, I think we had uh, Bomani Jones on talking about the OU Texas game. Uh, so it, we have some chances. We pull some heavy hitters uh, off the bench uh, when you guys get tired of listening to myself or Alan. Um, but this is just a kind of a sneak peek from the bye week. Uh, Rob, thank you for doing most of the talking. Again, we're, we're talking about your your model. So it was, it was a good way, a chance to really walk it through and kind of do some stuff. Uh, I think Rob is a fantastic follow on Twitter, which I'm pulling it up now. Uh, beta rank uh, football, beta underscore rank underscore FB. Uh, you get to listen to him talk about how Arizona should fire their DC. Uh <laughs> oh man, he's bad. Like, so they like Arizona went the other route. They hired a guy that no one else in college football would give a DC job. It's the craziest thing in the whole wide freaking world. Like I, t I know somebody on another Pac-12 staff who reached out and he's like, I can't believe they did that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, you also get some sneak peek stuff of him talking about uh, Nebraska hiring an OC and thinking that's probably it for Scott Frost. And it was it for Scott Frost. <laughs> <laughs> I did call that one, I guess. Yes. Yes. I'm excited. Like, and I, like, I feel like I don't talk about this enough. Like we, I got the same, like the, the people that I buy data from, which are the same people who provide data to the playoff committee um, came to me in the off season. They're like, Hey, we have FCS data coming for this next season. Are you in? And I was like, yes. So I have drive level data of the same quality on FCS football. Um, it's a little wilder because like they get a little bit of a later start to getting into the FCS games. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Like I, you know, like I had, I had uh, South Dakota state projected to beat North Dakota state, you know, this last week and they pulled it off. Um, but yeah, like that, that's up on the site now too. If you can start pulling in some, uh, man, what is Southeast? Uh, let me see here. If you can start pulling in some, uh, D2 stuff, I'm all about it. 
<laughs> oh man, <laughs> like the next the next frontier, right? The like, next frontier. I can figure out how good my uh, alma mater, Southeastern Oklahoma State, truly is. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, because the other part is, is like a lot of the models that you see for FCS or lower are like pseudo versions where they're relying totally on final scores and that kind of stuff. Like mm -hmm. this isn't that. I have the same level of data and the same quality of data coming in, which is uh, why I was willing to do it and excited to do it. So um like yeah i'm excited like when we get to the fcs playoffs because those are 16 teams like i'm excited to see how yeah. the model does yeah and that's potentially a good a good you know test case for the expansion of the uh expansion yeah. of the playoff on on the big boy level to a certain degree and to kind of see how things uh shake out that way but again guys check them out uh sharp uh, sharp college football if you want to do some uh how, how's this going against the lines and stuff are you doing well there yeah, I mean, it's, I will definitely say, like, we are more of a, an in-season model. So, like, post-week six, like, we've been above 54% against the spread um, each of the weeks. And, like, we really, like, last season, like, the model went on an absolute heater down the last couple weeks after week eight. Um, you know, usually above 60% against opening line. And I get nice? my lines posted up at 9 a.m. on Sunday. I do not include opening lines in any of the modeling. It is up early before Vegas posts their lines. If you want to get an early idea of where some lines might be. Making money. <laughs> you're in the <laughs> money if you follow the uh, beta rank. Uh, but Rob, thank you again. Thanks. I was hoping to get 30 minutes. We got an hour, a little over an hour. So thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. And um, until next week, guys, we'll be um, uh, some more stuff on the bye week, but not a ton, a little bit of a light thing here. But I appreciate it. Uh, I've signed us off since uh, don't ask the guests to do this. But Boomer!